official home of the Canucks. Dinky Pete comes out of the box and puts the puck into the back of the net. Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Bick and the Boss. Craig McEwen here with uh, Out Bick as he continues to uh, sit alongside Jamie Dodd for Rintoul and Sermon. And uh, in the Don't At Me segment, Joel, our uh, intrepid producer back at the shop, uh, joined me for that. And and this in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650 from High River Kim. Hey, C-Mac, Joel's a natural. Time to buy out Bick. Lots of, lots of buyouts here, uh, Joel, going on with uh, Martin Jones, Braden Holtby, James Neal. But, uh, I, I, buddy, I know you did a really good job, but I don't think I'm buying out Bick right away. Just, oh. just not yet. Oh, come on, C-Mac. You mean, you mean we have to stick around with Bick and his, and his raisin bread and his flavorless ice cream? Come on. Yeah, I know, and and besides which, I'm sure High River Kim is a relative. So nice of the relatives to be chiming in of yours <laughs> uh, here on uh, Vic and the Boss uh, Sportsnet 650, and lots of hockey talk as mentioned. Uh, NHL free agency going tomorrow. The Canucks, you know, getting Connor Garland a new deal, buying out Braden Holtby, uh, looking to move Nate Schmidt and you know we'll get back to the hockey talk and some other things around the NHL as well Ovi's staying in DC Marc-Andre Fleury is reluctantly being asked to leave Las Vegas Anthony Stewart will join us at the uh, bottom of the clock to uh, stop by and talk more about what we have to go in the National Hockey League as free agency starts here momentarily uh, but right now it's it's time to talk a little bit of football and you know, the NFL, big week for them as uh, this week marks the first official action of the 2021 season as all 32 teams starting training camp. Yes, football is back in a big, big way and uh, in get into that and some of the top stories in the National Football League. Uh, an NFL writer for CBS Sports, Jordan Dejani, will join us here on Bick and the Boss and he will... Give us his thoughts on everything football as football fans north of the border get uh, revved and ready for another NFL season. And Jordan, uh, appreciate you you doing this. And I guess the, the place to start would be uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers uh, making up or at least making up for one more year. What do, you, what do you make of the situation in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers showing up for uh, camp? Hey, what's going on, Craig? Thanks for having me on. I heard you're flying solo today, so I knew I couldn't ditch this interview. So happy to be on with you. Nice, yeah, nice. Aaron... Yeah. <laughs> listen, Go you've ahead. heard about my co-host then, Bick. Just he he bounced. Like, listen, I I I'm the program director at the radio station. I kind of pick and choose and move over the. Every time there's a spot, Bick phones me. And says I'll take it. So you know, I'm not so sure that's the best move if you're you're dumping the boss. But he does it repeatedly. So it's nice that you know the history of of Bick and his uh, wayward ways. Wow, we'll see if he can make a return to the station. You might have to make some concessions like the Packers are doing with Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, this is a fascinating situation. It's almost like kind of a celebration for me myself. I feel like I was one of the few guys who always maintained that Aaron Rodgers would be returning to the Green Bay Packers. And the main reason why 
it really boils down to, did Aaron Rodgers want to play football anymore? And that was a legitimate question because Aaron Rodgers is a very interesting guy who could have interests that are outside of football. You could argue that he's accomplished everything that he's wanted to in the game of football, unless he's a motivated person, which we know he is. He still wants to win another Super Bowl. So it, it came down to that because the Packers were not going to trade the reigning NFL MVP. He was under contract. So it really kind of came down to was Aaron Rodgers going to retire over this entire holdout? And in my mind, it was always no. So I knew, I knew that he was going to be able to return to the Packers, and that's what the finality of it was going to be. The question was, I didn't know in what way that was going to happen. I thought we were going to have to see something that was somewhat unprecedented. And I think we saw it with these concessions that ESPN's Adam Schefter is reporting in Rogers return. So the 2023 year in Rogers contract, which is the last one in his current deal, that's going to be voided with no tags allowed in the future. The Packers are agreeing verbally to review Aaron Rodgers' situation at the end of the season. So in, in when it boils down to it, it, we are paving the way for Aaron Rodgers to leave in 2022. Should he desire and the Packers can still get something and trading him away but Aaron Rodgers is going to be under center, at least for 2021 with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and, and listen, Jordan, football is one of those sports where uh, I think the rank and file you know, follows most of the time. We have seen it where players have held out, asked to be traded, you know, retired even and got moved. But in this case, you know, Green Bay is such a storied franchise and I'm sure they didn't want to have egg on their face and lose the face of their franchise. And you just talked about it there, uh, the concessions. Are you surprised that they, I'll say, bent the knee? Or is this the only thing that would have got done to get Aaron Rodgers back playing football, at least for one more season in Green Bay? You know, that's a good question. Um, but at the same time, I don't think I would say bending the knee. I think that you could make arguments for both sides that, there were little victories involved for both sides when this, when it, you know, with Aaron Rodgers finally returning to Green Bay. So no, I don't think that I would say either side was bending the knee. You're going to have people out there saying, "Wow, I really thought Aaron Rodgers was going to stand tall. I thought he was legitimate about threatening retirement over this." Uh, I mean, I don't think that was ever necessarily the case. I think that he got some things that he wanted in terms of. Uh, reworking his contract so that he has a way out. Because, again, the contract was the thing holding Aaron Rodgers back from leaving Green Bay. Uh, that's what he was tied to. He was tied to the Packers. He couldn't. He, he doesn't have free will in that situation necessarily. The Packers were going to be at the at, the Packers were going to have to be the side that said, okay, we'll trade you away. So, you know what? I, I want to think that I don't think either side really bent the knee. I think some good things happened with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we saw the report saying that Randall Cobb might be on the, the, on the way to Green Bay. The Packers are trying to work out a trade for him. That's a, tr a true and trusted target of Aaron Rodgers, even though he's a little older. You freed up some cap space. Now you can secure Devontae Adams for the future maybe. Uh, you just have him under contract – what is in reality for just one year. And then you're going to have to review the situation. And if he wants out in 2022, you're going to have to trade him because that's, that's basically reportedly what you've agreed to uh, with these two sides coming together. So I don't like to view this as one side lost and one side won. I think that both sides had to give up a little something and we'll have to revisit this entire situation next off season. <laughs> interesting stuff uh as as we move away from green bay let, let's head to the lone star state and and deshaun watson legal issues uh what do you think his future is there is he a movable asset or do some of the legal problems have to go away first before anything can be done 
Yeah, it's a good question. And it's impossible to predict what's going to happen next because we saw the report of 10 different women filing complaints with the Houston police alleging misconduct, of course. Um, you know, right now he is on the trade block. And the question is, is a team going to make a move right now or are they going to wait for, wait for all these legal proceedings to take their course? That's the question that I'm wondering about because on one side, there's two schools of thought, right? On one side, you, you could have one team that's very interested, such as, let's say, the Philadelphia Eagles, but if you have more than one team very interested, such as the Denver Broncos, if they're moving out of the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, obviously, if you have two teams that are extremely interested and they're, they're chomping at the bit to acquire Deshaun Watson services, they could be tempted to make a deal as soon as possible. Now, that's, that's obviously possible, but in my mind, I think that we're going have, have, to have to see the situation drawn out just a little bit longer. You know, we saw a big pause in all these legal proceedings and just news coming out about that case, but that's not because investigations were not going on or they weren't finding more evidence. It just wasn't being reported. And sure enough, we saw the 10 different women filing complaints uh, just yesterday, I believe. So I think that this is going to have to take its course. I do believe that he is going to be suspended um, and I don't know how many games. I don't want to make a guess out there because, of course, I want to be, uh, you know, aware of, of the different charges that we're speaking of because they are very serious charges and, uh, you know, in, obviously inappropriate stuff that Deshaun Watson's been accused of. But we, I, in my mind, if I had to put money on it right now, I think we'd see Deshaun Watson dealt later rather than sooner. Jordan Dejani joining us from uh, CBS Sports, NFL writer for them here on Bacon the Boss on Sportsnet 650. Are you surprised, though, how bad it's gone for Houston so quickly for a team that, you know, a couple years ago looked like, you know, they, they could be one that could compete for the Super Bowl, and now it just seems to be in complete disarray there with the Texans? Yeah, I'm, I am surprised. And, you know, I think that's a storyline that's going to be interesting to revisit once we're kind of past all of this drama. I mean, you have the whole Bill O'Brien fiasco. You have DeAndre Hopkins being dealt away for virtually nothing. You have a mix-up with the front office, Deshaun Watson. Uh, you did exactly what Deshaun Watson did not want with the front office. You made him upset. All of a sudden, your star player, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, is coming out and saying he doesn't want to play with you anymore, and he's putting his foot in the ground, right? And then, of course, you know, out of nowhere, we get him being accused of uh, some very inappropriate deeds off the field. So, yeah, it's been an absolutely roller coaster ride. And you could probably throw the head coach hiring into that as well, because I don't know if um, people are necessarily very excited about Coley. The, the franchise seems like it's in complete disarray right now. The same goes for the roster. It's been a wild fall uh, for this Houston Texans organization that really looked like they were on the up and up with some very solid pieces and all of a sudden they're probably going to be without Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and really starting a legitimate rebuild. Now, this is de facto Seahawks country up here, so there's some news and notes around the, the NFC West, and, and let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. You know, Patrick Peterson hoping his, his buddy Chandler Jones ends up in Minnesota. Uh, are, are you surprised where this has gone, where, you know, Jones isn't all that happy now with the cards and and might be looking for a way out of uh, the desert. Yeah, first off, I'm glad you brought up Patrick Peterson. I just published an article 13 minutes ago. Um, he had an interview on his podcast that CBS supports all things covered with Brian McFadden and Patrick Peterson, where Peterson blasted 
the Cardinals GM, Steve Kime, and fed him a bunch of BS in the lead-up to free agency. Says he has lost all respect for him. So go read that story. Go listen to that podcast. But in terms of the Chandler Jones uh, fiasco, this is something that our insider, Jason Lockenfora, has been writing about and reporting about for all offseason, saying that he's the next domino to fall when it comes to uh, a star being traded like Julio Jones. He's somebody who's drastically or, or vastly underpaid um, keep an eye on this storyline. But, of course, that story has drawn all the way out here um, to training camp deadline where people report in late July and nothing's been done yet. In my mind, uh, you probably saw the interview with Patrick Peterson yesterday. Um, it doesn't look like – he doesn't expect him to be traded. So I don't think that Chandler Jones is going to get traded. I don't know if a new contract is necessarily down there on the line, but like the Aaron Rodgers situation, he is under contract for at least one more year. So this story is not done just yet. Uh, It's something to keep an eye on as we move forward. So uh, you move along now to the the Rams and, you know, Akers uh, going out. Everyone was expecting big things from him. Henderson, de facto now the number one back there, but – Sean McVay maybe not going to play him. Like, what's the options for the Rams? Uh, what What do you think they're going to do to kind of help their running game uh, in a in a very competitive uh, division? Maybe one of the best in the entire National Football League. Yeah, sorry if you guys hear my dog barking in the background. I'm not sure. That's okay. I got, I've got three at home. <laughs> they do it all the time, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. Well, uh, with the Rams. I mean, they're not going to play Daryl Henderson in the preseason, and that's kind of interesting. He's either getting the uh, first string – man, she won't stop. <laughs> she won't, he's obviously getting the first string treatment, or they might be opening up the door without thinking about it for another younger running back to come in. Keep an eye on a guy named Jake Funk, a seventh-round pick out of Maryland. He's a guy I watched a lot of. Uh, in college and he's somebody who I think is very versatile I think he suffered two torn ACLs however um, you know he's definitely not a legitimate guy who's going to come in and challenge for the number one spot but um, I think that he's going to be an interesting piece so the the Rams have the option to go out there and and chase down a veteran guy I don't think Todd Gurley is going to be mending fences (laughs) and going back to the Rams but another veteran guy um, the options are open right now. But what I've seen is Sean McVay is pretty interested in some of these younger guys. But, man, I love this Rams team. I'm very excited for them. And losing Cam Akers was a huge hit. Yeah, if you had to handicap that uh, NFC West, and, again, knowing that they're Seahawks fans here, but don't be af- afraid to offend anyone, uh, do you think that they are the, the, the top team in that division? I would say yes. I would say yes. I think the addition of Matthew Stafford was one that obviously a lot of people are excited about. I, I think the expectations were absolutely blown through the roof. But at the same time, this was a team that their defense carried them to the playoffs, right? And they had a very respectable winning record. And Jared Goff was absolutely inconsistent. I feel like Matthew Stafford has a lot of tread left on the tires. Um, I think he's somebody who's going to come in and prove to be an immediate upgrade over Jared Goff. So, and, you know, we talk about Sean McVay being this offensive mastermind, right? Well, let's say he could have been maybe handicapped by the inconsistent play of Jared Goff. I think that would, you know, we could have fireworks in this offense. He'd like to have Cam Akers there, obviously, but I would say the Rams are the favorite in my mind. Jordan Dejani joining us from the NFL CBS Sports. Um, the Seahawks, a lot of chatter about Russell Wilson being unhappy and it seems to have quelled and died down, but there's a number of folks around the league that suggest that 
you know, yeah, it's, it's stopped for, for one year, but whether that continues, what do you, what do you make of their team and, and their chances, as I said, in that very tough division and, and the fact that, you know, Russ, you know, loves to cook, but, you know, he was talking about maybe cooking elsewhere this off season. At least that's what the rumors were. Yeah. So, I mean, I believe that he was absolutely unhappy in Seattle. I think he wanted more say in the franchise. I think that he wanted more say when, what, what happens with the offensive line, uh, he wasn't happy with being sacked all the time. I totally buy into that. Now, when it comes to him reportedly, maybe, according to some people, putting his foot down and asking for a trade and putting out all these places where he would rather play, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to buy into that. I do think that there were some things they needed to smooth over this offseason, but I do believe those things were smoothed over. Now, if this campaign doesn't go according to plan and they take a step backwards, I, I am a little bit worried about the defense, I have to say. Um, then, yeah, this is something that I think is going to be revisited next year where, where Russell Wilson says, okay, you know, I thought we smoothed this out. I, think, I thought that we were on the right track. I'm not excited about what we're doing moving forward, and we might have to revisit this all again. But I never, I never viewed this Russell Wilson situation as seriously as I did those of Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers. So I think a lot is going to hinge on what happens in 2021. Yeah, and, and I guess, too, maybe what happens with Jamal Adams and how happy he will be. It, it, the latest report suggesting, you know, the Seahawks are working on things, but they're they're not close. And they gave up a boatload to get this guy into Seattle. And, yes, he's a game changer, and he wants to be paid as such. But I'm I'm assuming that that business needs to be taken care of as well to, to not only make Russ happy, but the entire team happy. Absolutely, yeah. It's definitely one of the things they have at the top of their list. And, yeah, the reports came out, I think, earlier today that they are far apart in these contract negotiations or these extension negotiations. But in my mind, I think a deal gets done because, like you said, they gave up a boatload to acquire this defensive playmaker. And because of that, I think that they're going to resign him. They're going to find a way to keep him there long term. So, yeah, they're apart right now in these negotiations, but things change. I think they'll be able to lock in Jamal Adams. I mean, what's so great about him is that has, is how versatile he is. I mean, he can line up in a lot of different places on defense, and he's a very talented player. So the Seahawks, they gave up a lot to acquire him. Uh, there's a reason for that, and I think he at least showed a glimpse, if not a lot more, in that first season in Seattle that he's going to be a player that can be a playmaker on this defense for years to come. Uh, lastly, before we let you go, and this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for doing it. Uh, just the COVID protocols And, you know, there was a a lot of uh, strong voices coming out against the way the NFL is handling it. And listen, it's tough in a pandemic. We saw it last year in the NFL games getting pushed or postponed or moved. Like, it's hard. And the world is living through this. And and obviously, in the United States, numbers are rising because of the Delta variant. But just your thoughts on how the league is going to react to some new protocols and, and how you expect the NFL to get their season off again. And they did a good job last year in my opinion to with things just always changing and always moving when it comes to COVID-19 right you use the the right word react this is about reading and reacting these these protocols are going to be ever-changing in my mind and I think they have to be if we want to pull off a more successful season than we did last year and last year was a fairly successful season by all things considered you know we were in a pandemic and we didn't have to miss games we just had to reschedule them and keep everybody on track keep everybody safe and in the protocols. so the thing that I have an eye on is that like you you brought up the the variant right the delta variant that that thing's rising we're seeing 
we're seeing it's seemingly more. I don't know if this is backed by fact before I, I, I keep going forward, but we're, it seems like we're seeing more players who have been vaccinated, um, you know, test positive. And, and of course, the vaccination does not guarantee that you're never going to test positive for COVID. But how is the protocol going to shift um, moving forward for these vaccinated fellows, right? That, that's kind of what I'm interested in. But I'm not a pandemic expert. I'm pretty useless outside of the world of football, so I'd be unemployed somewhere. But, uh, I mean, it's going to be ever-changing. So I would, I would encourage fans and everybody to be patient with it because we're all trying to figure out the same things. I don't care if you're a journalist or a GM or the president or the commissioner or, or an assistant coach on the Arizona Cardinals. We're all trying to figure it out together. And in order to keep people safe, we have to be flexible. Well said, well said. And listen, uh, I tell you what, when my co-host bails on me next time, I'll bring you in for the entire show because love the energy, the excitement, and the intel on the National Football League. Jordan, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for doing this. Anytime, guys. The NFL is back. Enjoy it. <laughs> we definitely will. Uh, Jordan Dejani, the NFL writer for CBS Sports, joining us here on Bick and the Boss. And some interesting thoughts there on the Aaron Rodgers situation. Uh, I, I was maybe not so hopeful that he would end up at training camp, but he does because he gets something that he wants. The Packers obviously get something big in what they want, and you have to count them as as one of the favorites in the NFC uh, with Aaron Rodgers under center. Uh, not <laughs> like they would have been had he not been playing and Love would have been calling the signals there in Green Bay. Uh, big day in hockey. Uh, as well as the National Football League. And uh, we will continue the conversation about what's going on around the NHL, maybe dive into a little bit of Canucks as well as Anthony Stewart joins us here coming up very soon uh, in the next segment of Bick and the Boss on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Yes, the boss is coming. Craig McEwen here without uh, Bick Nazar. Uh, here on Sportsnet 650, and yeah, it is amazing how when the boss shows up or walks in the room, everyone looks busy. Or, you know, when when Toronto used to come to town back in the day, when I was in the television business with uh, Don Taylor, Dan Murphy and company, uh, we would all have suits on. And then as soon as Toronto left, we would put the suits away and go back to our golf shirts, shorts, and flip slots. So, uh, great job there, Joel, with the pickup of that song and. Uh, Great job today by a number of uh, different hockey teams getting some business done as well as uh, free agency is just around the corner. Uh, you name it, the Canucks ex- extremely busy uh, in the process of buying out Braden Holtby. Looks like they might be trying to move Nate Schmidt out of town as he turns down a deal going to Winnipeg. Uh, and in turn, the Capitals then send Brendan Dillon, local guy, to uh, Winnipeg for two second-round picks, and you have to wonder if that's what the bounty was going to be for Schmidt. But Schmidt has a, a no-movement clause for uh, 10 teams in the NHL, and Winnipeg is on it, so he he boxed at that. Connor Garland re-ups for just under $5 million per year, and Garland's a, a piece that Vancouver is really excited to, to bring to town, play in the top six alongside uh, Bo Horvat and see what he can do to help this hockey team win some games uh and uh speaking of winning uh, it, it's a big win for me here to to get anthony stewart on the show here Bick and the boss as i ride solo without Bick and uh, anthony thanks so much for doing this really appreciate it it's great to to chat with you 
And uh, I wanted to start uh, with something that I saw with uh, Seaside Hockey, uh, helping underprivileged kids get exposed to hockey in the GTA. And, and we'll talk lots about Ovechkin, Fleury, you know, the Canucks, all that sort of stuff. But I, I, I saw a post on this, and, and I think it's a, a fantastic initiative by you and a, a number of people. So maybe for the people here in Vancouver, just give a, a little uh, education on on what that program is and how it got started and and how meaningful it is to people to play our our great game here in Canada. Yeah, thanks a lot for asking. I love chatting about it. And uh, we're starting a house league in Scarborough, Ontario. And Scarborough is probably one of the underserved uh, communities of Toronto where there's not really any, you know, quote unquote, elite programming. So um, I just go back to my days of, you know, some of my fondest memories is you know, playing house league hockey where there was no pressure, no politics. You just go out there and play. And, you know, my number one fondest memory was, you know, my dad was a big Montreal Canadiens fan and he was adamant that I played for the red team. And, you know, he immigrated <laughs> from Jamaica and, you know, he's used to seeing Guy Lafleur and guys playing without helmets. I went to my first hockey skate slash game, not even wearing a face mask. So they said, Hey, you know what? You have to go get a face mask to be able to play house league hockey. So uh, I fell in the love, uh, fell in love with the game at the grassroots and house league level and if I can, you know, make a change for any way I can and get some kids involved in this great sport, because it is an amazing sport, uh, I'm willing to give back. So that's what it's going to be, getting kids introduced to hockey, getting them equipment, getting them uh, affordable ice time, and uh, hopefully getting them to fall in love with the game like it did uh, for me. Yeah, isn't that the case, though, Anthony? It is a fantastic game, but the cost of entry for a lot of people is really prohibited. So doing something like this and allowing... Uh, people who maybe couldn't afford to do so, that chance to get that spark, uh, ignite a passion for a lifelong game, what you can play beer league when you get older, all that sort of stuff. I'm I'm assuming that the, the motivation behind this is to break down some of those barriers, especially when it comes to cost and, and as you said, the opportunity to play. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone talks about, you know, the issues with the game. And, you know, I think it goes deeper than, you know, uh, name calling. And there's a lot of systemic stuff. And a lot of that is cost where there's people just because of the cost are excluded uh, from playing. And uh, in the ice right now, some of the ice times are, are four or five hundred bucks an hour. And it, it's very, very expensive. And it turns people away. We can go play basketball for, you know, you can play for free with the rim and soccer as well, too. So to get some uh, ex-NHLers and ex-NHL players and, and executives involved it's definitely a great initiative and there's going to be a lot more news to be coming uh, a lot sooner than later well uh, congrats on that and 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 well done uh, and thanks for enlightening us here on uh, sportsnet 650 anthony stewart from uh, hockey central uh, and former nhler busy day in the nhl is uh, tomorrow we expect to be busy but a lot of news uh happening in and around us i mean let, let's start with uh Marc-Andre Fleury being moved to Chicago. Found out about it, I guess, <laughs> through the internet or, or, or something along those lines. This one seems a little messy, Anthony, in, in the fact that, you know, it appears that Fleury did not want to leave Vegas. Yeah, we, we talk about the business side of hockey and rarely we talk about it when it comes to players about the human side. And here's a guy that, you know, uh, he probably didn't want to leave Pittsburgh when he ended up ending up there and he became the face of the franchise. And when you come to the face of the franchise, you fall in love with the city, with the fans, with the people, and then you're performing at a high level of play and then they get rid of you. That's, that sort of puts a sour taste in your mouth too. So I would not be surprised with all his accolades and, you know, his Stanley Cups and his pedigree that uh, people would be surprised that he would retire 
And the NHL is about respect, and I think the way that they handled the situation is disrespectful. But, again, it is a business, so let's remember that now when you, you hear about a player leaving town because of money or the business side, too, because I think going forward in the long term, Vegas is going to have a hard time really trying to get some coveted free agents there because if you're going there knowing that they're trying to get rid of you, you know, two years into your deal, you're going to go somewhere else where you get a little bit more job security. So, again, it is a business side, but it goes both ways. Uh, but for Marc-Andre Fleury, he's got probably the most social equity in the league. Everybody loves him. You'd like to see him get treated a little bit better. Yeah, and, and not to say that the Vegas Golden Knights traded Nate Schmidt in a bad way too, but here's another guy who you know loved his time in Vegas, had to leave you know for for salary cap considerations, and now there's talk that he could be you know one and done in Vancouver. Does it surprise you that the Canucks might be looking to get him to another place? And you hear that he turned down a deal to Winnipeg because he has a ten tra- team no trade clause. Uh, the talk about Schmidt leaving Vancouver is, is that a shock to you? Yeah, and part of that, when he signed his deal, he planned on being in Vegas. And sometimes now, when you don't have that protection, you get traded to a team that just at the time doesn't work out. So, again, he played some serviceable hockey last year, 15 points in 54 games with Vancouver Canucks. But for some reason, he's not really a big fan of the fit. So um, I'm sure uh, hashtag Canucks aren't really going to like to hear that, but sometimes it doesn't work out. But I can tell you this, if they do end up moving him, uh, they're going to probably get a, a pretty good package in return and, you know, say what you want about Jim Benning. He's been doing some great uh, great work these uh, last couple of days here and the moves that he's making in addition by subtracting, freeing up a lot of cap space and, you know, flexibility. People a couple of weeks ago were asking, you know, where's the money for Pedersen? Where's the money for Hughes? And, you know, Hughes, it, it, he's not there yet, but uh, he's doing a good job at that cracking that code and freeing up some money and brightening the future for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, Jim said he was going to be aggressive, and I would say he's been fairly aggressive here. Uh, what did you think of the OAL uh, Garland trade last week? Uh, I liked it. I liked it. And, and OEL, I think he's sort of a product of, of a bad system where his numbers are, are really, and underlining numbers aren't that great. And I don't even play for the Arizona you know, Coyotes, and my numbers are bad. So I think a chain of scenery, well, when he's with uh, Vancouver, I can show, probably show that he's still a quality defender. And he comes with a high cap hit, but again, he's earned that. And I still think he could be a solid top four piece for the Vancouver Canucks. But I think the real piece uh, right now is Connor Garland, where I think there's 20-plus teams that were kicking the tires on trying to get him out of Arizona. And for him to come in now at uh, $5 million, just a, shad, uh, a tad shy underneath, he's going to be a really, really quality player. What I would not be surprised if he scores 25, 30 goals too. So uh, I think the most important, though, now, with what Vancouver did was the addition by subtraction, freeing up that cap space, uh, you know, trading Roussel, Beagle, Erickson, Bertan, and getting these guys off the books now to free up some money now to not only sign your top two guys and, and your young guys, but now really getting some young, cheap help that can actually skate and, and do a good job for the Vancouver Canucks because they're just a couple pieces from really being competitive. Remember, in the bubble now, under bubble Demko, the fans don't like to hear that, you know, they were a, a couple of good bounces away from going a little bit farther in the playoffs. Yeah, hashtag Canucks on that. They'll like you for that one, Anthony. They're maybe not the one far before. They love the better yeah. Demko references, yes. <laughs> yes, so do I. Uh, Anthony Stewart here from uh, Hockey Central, Sportsnet as well. Um, Alex Ovechkin, new deal for Ovi. I believe he worked on it himself. Not not like he was going anywhere else. Um, but when you would you look at him and where he's at in his career, chasing Gretzky and all that sort of stuff, you know, what do you see in Ovechkin later in his career? 
Well, everyone thought he was going to slow down, uh, you know, probably three, four years ago. Then he you know, comes out with 51 goals, two seasons, 48 last year in 68 games, and, you know, 24 in the shortened season. So he's one of those guys where uh, it's not like he has to work for his goals. He's not scoring those goals how he did before. And then he's standing on the power play, creating a shot, you know, scoring 10, 15 on the power play and just, um, you know, not really breaking a sweat. So he's probably not going to be the Ovechkin of old where he's not going to be high-flying and dynamic probably year three and four of this uh, deal. But, again, he's getting fairly close to that record. Now I think if he averages 30 goals, he has a chance to do it. I would not be surprised if he breaks that record because every time everyone counts him out, he steps up and has a big year. So is he going to be scoring 50, 60 in this deal? I don't think so. But I would not be surprised if he's, you know, teetering around 30, 35 for the next five years for sure. I know, Anthony, rule uh, records are made to be broken, but I am a little surprised that Gretzky's being pushed here, uh, not just by Ovechkin, but by anyone. Are you surprised that this is something that he's looking to reel in, considering, you know, when Gretzky set those ridiculous numbers back in the day that, you know, again, I, I thought no one would come close to them? No, no, I think every goal he scores should be counted uh, 1.3, just based on the adjustment for <laughs> for. Uh, for a time that we're in right now too, but it's what I'm amazed about how, you know, they know where he's standing on the power play and just back from being able to find him every other power play where he seems like he's scoring from the same spot every game that amazes me too. So I'm sure, you know, down the line, he might have to adjust his game a little bit in trying to create some more time and space. But again, it's an amazing feat and whether or not he breaks the record, I think he's going down probably, you know, one of the best, if not the best goal scorers in uh, NHL history, just based on the time that he's doing it, where it's so tough to score goals. Now, you, you probably know how much people love the Leafs here in Vancouver, so it wouldn't Absolutely. be an interview without if we didn't get a, a Leaf comment or two, and tongue firmly in cheek here. But in all seriousness, Toronto has some work to do, especially you know in goal and some other areas. What do you make of what they will be doing here come free agency? Yeah, I'm a little bit worried with the Leafs because, you know, they've lost a big player in, in Zach Hyman, and he's one of those guys that I don't think you really know the impact of, of what you have in him until he's gone. And, you know, the chemistry he had with Marner and, and uh, Matthews the last couple of seasons, I think they're really going to miss him. So they need to go out and do a good job in finding a right, uh, sorry, a left winger that can really come in and do the proper job here. So the problem is now they're tough against the cap, where they can't go out and, and get a Schwartz or go out and get a, uh, you know, a uh, uh, Hoffman possibly without moving some money because they have some other areas that they have to fill. They need to get a quality backup goaltender because I don't think Jack Campbell's ready to, you know, play a full, you know, 50, 60 game segment. He's yet to do that because he's had some injuries and, you know, he's been a backup most of his career too. So I think you need, maybe need to kick the tires on a, on a Morazic or, you know, a Bernier or someone like that that could come in and do the job too. So this top six wingers that they're missing, do they have a chance to get Felino back at a cheaper cost? Maybe, maybe not. But I think now them just gambling, saying, you know what, Marner and Matthews will pick up the slack or Tavares and Nylander will pick up the slack. I don't think that's a good long-term solution for these Maple Leafs. Yeah, and what did you make of their postseason? Obviously, Tavares' injury hurt them a lot. But, uh, you know, most people figured Montreal was dead and gone. They come back. And, and, and Marner really had a, had a tough go. And there was talk perhaps maybe they should look to move him out. What did you make of the playoffs? And do you think that they can win with, you know, those two, Marner and Matthews, kind of together? Or would they have to eventually maybe look to, to move a, a Marner out? 
Yeah, I just look around the league where they don't, you know, teams don't have the same expectations and heads are rolling or they're getting rid of coaches, they're getting rid of guys and changing the culture. So I think with high expectations, you need to make a move, but I understand just with the cap and, and uh, not really having flexibility, it's tough to make a good hockey deal. And that's the thing that uh, Kyle Dubas doesn't want to do, make a non-hockey deal, just do a move for the sake of doing a move. But for me, I think it's going to be a good learning experience for this big four here. And they're going to come back a year older, a year stronger, a year wiser. And again, everyone says, well, next year better be the year. But I've been saying that now for a couple of years. So I think the microscope's going to be shifting on some of these guys. They have to get it done because that window's closing. You know what I mean? If they're not really winning and are showing that they're contenders, that Marner deal is going to be expiring. Uh, Matthews is going to be looking at possibly going elsewhere. So they have two, three years to get it together, and they need to make a step in the positive direction. So the talent's there. Uh, I think the work ethic's there. It's just now elevating in the playoffs. You're looking at Kucherov's and the points and the Sorelli's and all these guys stepping up their game in the playoffs. Uh, the Leafs have that challenge, and there's some young guys here, but we'll see if they're ready to accept that challenge. Anthony, just uh, one more for me before we let you go. Anthony Stewart from Sportsnet joining us here on Bick and the Boss, Sportsnet 650. Uh, tomorrow, start of free agency. You know, Dougie Hamilton's a defenseman that everyone's looking at and, and where he might go and what he might get. Is he kind of the, the linchpin or the, the key for a lot of other blue liners to maybe move on once it's decided where he's going and what he's doing? Yeah, I'm surprised that there's not a Dougie Hamilton watch where they're circling the you know, helicopters around his house, seeing where he's going. Is he buying a, buying a red T-shirt, a blue T-shirt? Where is he going to eat? Who is he on the phone with? Because, again, right-handed shot defensive, big, strong, six foot five, six foot four, scores 15 goals, put up 50 points. Like, I, I honestly don't get it why, you know, we're not talking about it a little bit more. So maybe the executives and the media know something more than I do, but I should be lining up. I should be moving pieces. I would be moving money to try to get this guy because you know exactly what you're getting. And if you're a team that's struggling on the power play or you need a guy to come in and score some big goals on the back end, you, you got to be lining up and moving mountains to get this guy because I think he's a game changer. He's in the same ilk as, uh, as a Petrangelo, and I think he can help put your team on the top, over the top, excuse me. So it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up tomorrow. Well, Anthony, we really appreciate the time. Uh, thanks very much for stopping by and doing this. And, uh, you know, good luck with the Seaside Hockey Initiative. And, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you down the road sometime soon. Thanks a lot. And uh, Canucks fans, it's time to get Benning his flowers. Come on, at least a half, half dozen roses here. Let's go. Show some respect. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Anthony. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Anthony Stewart, uh, host of Hockey Central on Sportsnet and also a former NHL player and uh, a Benning backer. And, and uh, Joel Gaudet, who who joined us earlier. Uh, Joel, you see, I'm not the only one who supports Jim Benning. Uh, Anthony uh, is also in, in Jim's corner as well here as uh, he he says, hey, Canuck fans, uh, give Benning a bit of a break. Buy him some flowers. You know, get rid of the banners, Joel, if, if you like. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, if you look at our text message inbox, you know, half of the comments are ripping us because, you know, uh, people like yourself and whatever seem like they're supporting Benning and then half the comments are ripping them saying you guys are bitter and this team is a lot uh you know a lot worse than than you're making it out to be so I guess if you're getting it from both sides I I I would think it means we're coming down the middle and and trying to give an impartial take on it yeah I would say and again a big day for the Vancouver Canucks if you haven't heard and I'm sure you have that um 
Connor Garland has signed here in Vancouver, which is great. No offer sheet there. He is uh, signed with the Canucks. Uh, Braden Holtby will be bought out by the team to increase some cap space and flexibility. Uh, Yarrow Halak, possibly a, a goalie the Canucks are looking at bringing in. There, there's rumors of a, a Luke Shen deal to come to Vancouver. I'm sure Vancouver will need to do more on the defensive side of the puck. And Nate Schmidt, uh, it appears that Benning and his agent are, are working on things. And, you know, rumor has it, uh, according to Pierre Lebrun, that perhaps the Bruins or Islanders are looking at Nate Schmidt. And Joel, when, when I look at Schmidt and, and see what he did here in Vancouver, it was a tough year all around. I wasn't so much against uh, bringing him back for another go-round. But now it appears that, you know, maybe the best thing for all parties would be for him to move on. Well, it sure appears that, um, you know, there's a little bit of smoke, and the old saying goes, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? I find it very interesting that the Canucks gave uh, his agent permission to perhaps shop around another deal, but, you know, um, I didn't think Nate Schmidt played terribly last season. Perhaps he just had a bad showing, Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those situations where perhaps it's uh, best for for both parties that, uh, you know, we move on and, and try and find greener pastures elsewhere. Yeah, it's 650-650 Dunbar-Lumber text inbox. Uh, Marcus and Gibson. C-Mac, since when are you a betting guy? Question mark. Hey, Marcus, I, I appreciate the humor. I appreciate the fact that, uh, you know what? Everyone has the choice. Everyone can uh, support or or think about what they want uh, I- I this year for the Vancouver Canucks. But I am in the firm belief, and I'm in the camp, that this team is a lot better. Jim Benning talked about being aggressive, and he goes out and trades away his uh, first pick in the draft uh, and brings in two pieces that will really help his hockey team. Jason Dickinson from Dallas comes into the fold as well. So this Canucks team is better than what we've seen last year. Are they going to be good enough? Well, uh, I'm in the firm camp or belief, Joel, that, you know, with a a new season, more normalcy, even though the COVID is going to be around and there's going to be protocols put in place, but it appears like the Canucks, at least they put out that they're going to have a regular schedule. We'll be able to travel to go to different places that, that excitement and Hershey talked about it as, as we brought him on the show uh, off the top uh, Canucks central that, these moves, everything that Jim Benning's doing on the free agent market will revitalize, re-energize, and bring this Canucks team to a point where when they start the year, and let's hope they don't get off to the start that they had last year, that when they start the year, they're going to be you know, really hungry, really excited, and also motivated to get back to, as Anthony Stewart called it, you know, bubble Demko or, or the time that they had in the bubble at Edmonton and make the postseason. And, and Joel, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility when you think about this Canucks team. No, and I don't either. I mean, I think w- when you look what's happened over this offseason and the roster moves and all the changes that, that has been made, I think there is a lot of optimism in Vancouver in terms of, you know, this team progressing and perhaps making a playoff push in this next year. I think with uh, with all the pieces that Bennings has added and subtracted so far, there's certainly a, a, a reason to get excited if you're a Canucks fan moving forward to this season. But, you know, only time will tell if uh, if the right moves were made and if this team can actually compete and, and make a push for the postseason. The Dunbar-Lumber text inbox, 650-650. No Joel, none of your relatives are texting in. Although I would do that because Jamie Dodd, 
uh, he had all of his relatives text in and, and say I needed to bring him on full time. But you're, you're doing a bang up job here, filling in for Bick uh, late in the show, putting in the hard work late in the hockey game, those shifts. But uh, a late submission on the don't at me. Nate Schmidt was only about 20 bad players last year. The whole team played, well, I can't say the word, but let's just say crappy. Uh, and that's from Jeff. It was a bad year. And when you look at how many players outside of maybe a, a Brock Besser or Thatcher Demko, you know, who I think played to their expectations, most members of the Vancouver Canucks had an off year. They started off poorly. They got behind the eight ball. And then, you know, we all know what happened with the season. They got on a bit of a roll. Pedersen got hurt. And, and, and that's the other thing, Joel. I don't know that people really truly appreciate you know they hung around for a bit but they did it without their top player and you know in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox Mike and Victoria says why not PD eight times five uh 8.5 for eight years and Hughes eight years 7.5 you know the Cox have the cap space to do it and, and that'll be the next domino to to fall uh, the contract negotiations after free agency here and the Canucks possibly pick up a backup and uh, uh, at least a defenseman and Luke Shen, Joel, it'll be those contract negotiations and talk with Hughes and Pedersen setting it up for the long term. And I'm not sure each are getting, you know, a, a long deal. There might be a bridge there for one of them, but it is the most important piece for Vancouver moving forward. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, uh, one of the reasons that Benning is cleared as much cap space as he has, you know, getting rid of those bad contracts that he also signed. Um, but to, to kind of make room to either, like you said, re-sign Quinn and PD on, on a bridge deal and kind of get them into free agency or to lock them up long-term. And, and you know, I think that um, it's definitely a, a situation where, you know, the Canucks have a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunities to make some good moves and, and do some damage here in the, in the next couple of seasons. They've got a good young core. They've added to that young core. I mean, I think there's a lot of optimism and hope uh, surrounding this team. But again, you know, uh, with with last season, I think you just kind of have to write that one off. I think, um, you know, it, it it was with COVID and with PD being out and stuff, they just didn't, uh, you know, they stumbled getting out of the gate and it was just uh, downhill all season. And hopefully we don't see the same thing repeating into next year. But, uh, you know, with this new core, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think... Um, I think a lot of Canucks fans might be surprised this season in terms of how well this team does. See, look at you just took over the shoulder. I, I went for a walk. I came back. You were still going. I got a drink. You were still going. You're oozing with confidence now. Well done, Joel. Really appreciate you uh, stepping up and, and filling in here on uh, Bick and the Boss. A couple more before we go in the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Don't mix up hope with optimism. And uh, from Donkey the Roofer, optimism is a drink that Canucks fans have been getting drunk off for years. Is next year going to be different? Question mark. Well, we won't know until next year gets played. And that's the one thing I'll say is whether it's patience, whether it's understanding or whether it's the ability to say, Hey, let's see what Jim Benning can pull off here in free agency and then judge the team on the results on the ice. So I'm willing to give him a break until the puck drops and we see some action before I, I, I make my judgment on all things that he's done. Uh, coming up, it is the people's show and uh, they've got a jam packed lineup uh, Antoine Roussel, the newest member of the Arizona Coyotes, will be uh, joining the guys at 3.30, 4 o'clock. Elliot Friedman with the latest on what's going on in the National Hockey League. Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine stops by after that. And then 
as the goalie theme rolls on. Eddie Lack, former Canuck, always entertaining when Eddie joins the show. Uh, he's got hot takes, he's got humor, and he keeps uh, Sat Dan and Randeep on their toes. That and more coming up on the People Show. Thanks for listening to Bick and the Boss here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.